Hey, it's Kathy. I'm so excited because, drumroll please, doors are officially open to my program, The Abundance Method. I have been wanting to put this program out in the world for two and a half years. I've been working on it behind the scenes, and this is my signature program. This is the program that is going to teach you the method, the framework for how to become a master manifester in your life. Why is that? Because everything is vibration. We live in a world that is atomic. That means the world is made of atoms, which is energy. 99.9% of every atom is energy and less than 1% particle. So in order for us to manifest in our life, we need to become the highest vibe possible and to sustain that. This program is going to show you how to meditate and how to set your day on the right track so that you have a practice that can help you project your amazing energy into the world, which will bend the 3D, which will help you manifest in ways that you won't even believe. This is a transformative live 10-week program. It is designed to help you on this journey of spiritual awakening. It's going to give you tons of tools. I'm going to show you how to change your energy, master the manifestation once and for all, This is the first program of its kind. We're actually trademarking all of this framework because it is something that is so unique. And I think you're going to be so excited about learning it. Also, there are some bonuses right now. If you sign up before May 10th, you'll be getting a physical abundance box. Plus, you're going to get an exclusive podcast so that you can be listening to this program. If you can't make the live Zoom calls, we can give it to you on a track so that you can be listening to it like you do a podcast. Also, you're going to get a pack of 10 meditations from me. And you're going to be getting a training that I just gave a workshop called Permission to be Rich, one of the best workshops I've ever done, which you will love. And there is a platinum level to this program. If you choose the platinum level, not only do you get extra coaching calls with me, you also get extra mentor support, but this is really cool. You also get a retreat included. My retreats are normally $3,000. You will get the retreat for free included. Plus, You will get a front row seat at that retreat because you will be on the platinum VIP track at the retreat. All of this is here for you. I'd love to see you in this program. I want to see you tapping in, turning on to that electricity within you so that you can find your way to the life that you were born to manifest for yourself. You can join us now at kathyheller.com slash join. I cannot wait. Get on in there. See what all the excitement is about. It's going to be so much fun. What I need to work on are the stories of being enough. When have I been enough? My entire life. Thanks to TurboTax Live for supporting my podcast. Whether you own an up-and-coming small business or you're invested in crypto for the first time, TurboTax Live has experienced tax experts who can answer your tax questions, walk you through the whole process, or even do your taxes for you from start to finish, no matter your unique situation. Visit TurboTax.com to learn more. Thanks to GoodRx for supporting The Kathy Heller Show. GoodRx is a free and easy-to-use service that allows you to instantly compare prices for your prescriptions and find discounts on your medications. To start saving up to 80% on your prescriptions today, go to GoodRx.com slash DreamJob. Hey guys, it's Kathy Heller. Welcome back to The Kathy Heller Show. I'm so happy that Kendra Hall is here. You're going to love this episode. It's going to give you some really good tactical advice, but also some really cool paradigm shifts. Before we get into that, I just want to remind you, I am doing a retreat in May at my home. We decided to do this at my home and there's some surprises in store. There's only six spots left. If you want to find out more details, you can go to kathyheller.com slash retreat and you can find out more. You can grab your spot. It's going to be really cool. We're going to be doing some really restorative work, some yoga, some breath work, meditation, but we're also going to be dreaming into what is the biggest desire on your heart 
and what are the next steps to take in order to see all of it become materialized in your life. I cannot wait. It's going to be so good for the soul. If you want to find out how to get one of those last six spots, go to kathyheller.com slash retreat. All right, now we're going to get into today's episode. So we are joined by the awesome Kendra Hall. She's the chief storytelling officer at Success Magazine, a best-selling author, keynote speaker, the president and chief storytelling officer at Stellar Collective. So just from that, you can probably tell that she's really a go-to in the storytelling business. Kendra has worked with clients like Facebook, Hilton Hotels, Tyson Foods, Target, Berkshire Hathaway, Harvard Medical School. And she has two incredible books that we're going to talk about. Her first one is called Stories That Stick, How Storytelling Can Captivate Customers, Influence Audiences, and Transform Your Business. And her newest book is Choose Your Story, Change Your Life, Silence Your Inner Critic, and Rewrite Your Life from the Inside Out. In the book, she shares an entire storytelling process that will help you overcome obstacles, pivot your thinking, take control of the stories you tell yourself, flip the script, and uncover the path to build the life you want. Both of these books are packed with so many gems, not just for your business, but for your personal life. So make sure that you get your copy. Kendra is so filled with knowledge and her enthusiasm for storytelling could seriously light up any room. She has so much great information to share. So you might want to take some notes here. Without further ado, please welcome the awesome Kendra Hall. Kendra, thank you so much for being here. I am so thrilled to be here. I've been looking forward to this forever. It feels like what a highlight of my day, of my week. That's so sweet. I'm so glad that we finally were able to sync up our schedules. And I was just saying to you before we hit record, I've just been seeing your book everywhere. A lot of our mutual friends are just loving it. The world is enjoying it. Um, It's such an important concept. It's such an important thing for everybody to really get. The name of the book for anyone who's listening who hasn't yet seen it, choose your story, change your life, silence your inner critic and rewrite your life from the inside out. Yeah. Like if there is like anything that's like a must read and a must do, it's that. So we're going to go into your whole like journey and all of that. But I think we should start here. We should start with the book because it's so important and then we can kind of go back. So this is so essential. Why did you come to this work and why do you want other people to walk away and do, do this? Yeah. And that's the entire reason. Anytime you sit down to write a book, it's like, wait, what do I want someone to walk away with? Like if they put in the time to read the words on the page or listen to it, however they do, like, what do I, what mark do I want to leave? So my passion, my research, my curiosity has always been in the power of storytelling. And for the whole first part of my career, it was the research in the effectiveness and the, you know, the the different abilities of outward stories, the stories we tell others for marketing, sales, leadership, etc., which is fascinating in and of itself. But throughout that research, and then even as I was sharing that message and through my own experience, I was realizing that just the same things that make a story compelling as we tell it outwardly are the same things that are happening um, within our own mind, within our own subconscious, and how truly the behaviors we take, the decisions we make, the way we feel about ourselves, how we feel about others. So much of that is actually locked up and determined in this invisible force. And I say invisible because it's so subconscious that are our stories and seeing the simple difference or the profound difference, something as simple as choosing to tell stories in business and the changes that can make. I wondered if those same changes could happen internally for ourselves, if we simply were more 
aware and conscious of the stories we had on repeat. It's so important. And I was, I don't mean to name drop. That's not why I'm saying this, but my husband's like, every time you say that, I'm like, it's not what I mean. I'm trying to give it importance. I'm trying to give it weight. Um, So we just had Deepak Chopra on the show. Yes. I love him. Of course you do. We, We had an interview together. He's great. Yeah. He's great. And he was saying that the number two cause of death in kids and teenagers is suicide. And the reason being is because they, like most people, we don't remember who we are. And he said, who we are is not our story. It's not the fictional. He's like, I'm not this character, Deepak Chopra. I am just the I am, just the I am, right? And you can say, I am Kendra, I am Kathy. And it's like all these, you know, pictures and things come to mind, all this stuff, right? All this stuff. And it's like, it's so important, right? It's like what you're saying literally is like hitting control, alt, delete on your life Mm -hmm. because what really are we? We are that constant the, 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 the part of us, the higher consciousness, the part of us that, that, that always was consistent is a part of us. That's not our story, not where you come from, not what your parents did, not what your zip code is, not your waistline, not none of that. And it's just like, we get so attached to the ego, to this fictional Mm -hmm. story. So Mm -hmm. in comes your book and you're saying to people, choose your story, change your life. Mm -hmm. And then you can silence this inner critic and rewrite it from the inside out. Explain how you did that. And then explain how you feel that other people can also do that. Yeah, it's applicable in so many different areas of life. And I love what you're saying here about this like macro and almost fictional um, version of ourselves. That's this very high level. And we could call it like the, the macro story or the higher narrative, but we are all really made of the micro stories, those little moments where we did show up, this one thing that we are proud of, or this one in interaction with a kid in second grade who was mean to us. And because we carry our stories again, without us really knowing it, like these, our brain is constantly collecting, categorizing these memories, these stories that then shape from the inside out who we see ourselves to be. The challenge is, so it's never a matter of, am I telling myself a story because that is what your that's how we make sense of the world that's how we make sense of ourselves it is which stories am i choosing to tell myself about myself and who i am and and what i'm capable of and the difference there that choice is absolutely critical so one of the examples that i do share in the book a story that i struggled with for a long time was my love and ambition and passion I had for my work and desire to achieve whatever it was to to get this message out there meant that I was failing as a mother. Like the two things couldn't exist in the same space. Um, One was always losing and it made me miserable 
Uh, so here I had this job that I love. I made it up myself. I have these kids and family that I love and I couldn't enjoy either of them. And then additionally, it made me show up worse at work. It made me say no to opportunities because I was like, well, I really should be home or I should be doing this. Right. And so as I went through the process of the self-storytelling method, which, which we can talk about, it was really constantly catching myself in this story. You're a bad mom. You're a bad mom. Anytime I was successful at work, it meant I was a bad mom. And then taking a look at deeper. Okay. So what are the stories that are leading up to this bigger statement? And there, of course, were the stories of the missed pickups or the field trips that I wasn't on or the time we were supposed to bring a sugar pumpkin for the pumpkin decorating. And I didn't realize it was a sugar pumpkin until too late, which those are smaller pumpkins, if you didn't know. So by the time I went to look for a sugar pumpkin, all the sugar pumpkins were sold out. So I like only had the option to send this, you know, like, and, and I say this because of the detail with which my brain remembers these stories. I remember running around on a cold October night trying to find the right pumpkin. And then of course there were the stories from my own childhood and my mother who was an exceptional mother. Her goal was to stay home with us. And it was a joyful day when she did. She had Pinterest worthy lunches before Pinterest was a thing. Like the birthday parties where she was on every field. She would bring a guitar and sit in the back of the bus. I still remember the song she would sing and all of my friends thought, right, okay. That's so So, special. It was so so rare and so special. And so beautiful. And my brain used that as ammunition to make me miserable, right? And so here I am doing, I was doing great work and then felt like I was failing. And so it finally came to a point where I, And this is the next step of the method where I had to like actually decide like, how do I move forward from here? And if I have all these stories that are reinforcing this negative belief, are there stories in there that reinforce the opposite of times where I was actually crushing it as both a mother and someone who's really passionate about her work. And all of a sudden I started thinking of some of these very specific stories and one stood out. Um, when my daughter was about three and we were at home building something on her bedroom floor, very pink with blocks. And she said, mama, we're building a castle, which, you know, it was nice, helpful to know because it wasn't really clear at that point what we were building. <laughs> so, so we're continuing to build the castle. And she said, and mama, we live in this castle because we are two princesses, which the daughter is always the princess, but for the mom to be the princess and not the like old queen, I, I thought that was a win. And then she said, and it's a big castle, mama, because we are two princesses who go to work. And she was so um, proud and enthusiastic. And the energy with which she said that, like a story was born in that moment, that maybe by pursuing, doing my best and pursuing my passion while raising my children was teaching my children, that they can dream as big as they want to. And it's not always going to be like a perfect castle. But so I tried telling myself that story and a variety of others. And over time, my feeling that that constant angst that I had dissipated. Now it's come and gone because of course, over the past couple of years, like life has been like what it is to be working 
versus what it was and what it means to be a parent versus what it was has changed. But that was one of the stories or, or one of the higher level stories of my belief in myself that is, I would say, pretty permanently changed because I know what to do now if it comes back up again. I can totally relate to that. Totally relate to that. And I remember when my daughter was like, I have three girls. And when my oldest was like 18 months old, I had to leave for a meeting and my mom came over to babysit. At that time, I didn't have full-time help. Actually, I still don't because I still have a ton of guilt. So I've, I've still never actually given myself the support I really need. That's the truth. So still have work to do on that story. But my mom came to babysit for a couple hours and I, my daughter was crying. And I remember she said to me, oh, you never cried like that because, you know, I just didn't go to work. So like you never had that kind of cry. And I got in the car and couldn't go leave the driveway because I was sobbing. I felt so terrible about myself. And I, I, I thought about it so much and I held myself back for years, like the same person I am with the same amount of passion and enthusiasm. And, and I was successful, but for like seven or eight years, I held myself at a certain place and I tortured myself almost like because of that story. And I love that you're telling it because my husband was vice president of Fox sports for 15 years. Not one time did he ever get asked how do you juggle it? Like, how do you balance it? You know? And here I was, then I, then we changed roles. He stopped working completely. I became the breadwinner since I started, since I made my first dollar, how are you juggling that? I mean, how do you balance like the inherent, like here, let me let you hold all of this guilt and shame for what? Like, Mm -hmm. I'm just (laughs) trying to live who I am. Like mm-hmm. in my authentic experience. And mm-hmm. I, I think it's so beautiful what you're saying because 91% of our audience is, is women between the ages of like 30 and 40. And we're just not talking about this enough. No, and, and like there are ways that our society works that are unfair, that don't make sense and that are changing. They're not all the way there. And for the ones who are in the middle of the change, it just feels like it isn't changing fast enough around us. And those are the moments where it's so important then to make the change within you. Because now, like, so here's what's so interesting. I um, got up this morning. I went to spin class. I have a full day. I went to spin. I came back to the apartment. We're in New York City. I met up with my husband and the kids and the dog on the street on their walk to school. Uh, So I could like walk them over to school. And then my son said, he was like, mama, have so much fun on your podcasts today. And I was like, Oh, okay. He's like, do great. You're going to be great. And I was like, thank you. And so I came back, I got showered. My husband came back and I said, what was that about? And he said, oh, I'm taking him to the park after school because, you know, it's sunny, it's nice. And they know that you're doing your podcasts. And it was just such a, like it, even now, because I changed the story within me. Now my sons, and of course they're going to the park, but they'd rather come home. It's still, it's not warm out. The sun is out, but it isn't warm. Okay. They would rather come home, but it's, oh, 
mama's doing this thing. And so now it's become an ecosystem within our family. And then that becomes, you know, each time I show up in the community and with my immediate friends, or as I, you know, have the privilege and the honor to share my message wherever I'm sharing it, it's, it's, but it's all coming from within that then can be a gift or at least a perspective to give to somebody else as like, this is how we make those changes, but it has to truly start within you like, and not feel that. And I love that you say, I don't love that you say torture yourself, but that's exactly how I felt tortured. And I hated being tortured by two things that I love. Like it just did not seem like the way um, I wanted to exist in this world. I totally get it. And just to like fast forward, when I was having my third daughter, I remember being in the hospital, we were being discharged, right? From having her. And my doctor goes, oh, you know, they have this new thing now where you can have a postpartum uh, session with a therapist before you leave the hospital. Do you want it? You seem like you're okay. And I was like, well, if that's part of it, yeah, I want it. Have her come in. So this therapist comes in and I just start bawling and she's like, what's up? And I said, I don't know. Like before I walked in here, I had two little ones under four and I was pregnant. And now I am no longer pregnant, but I have three little ones. Like, am I doing enough? This is literally what I said to her, Kendra. So I now have, but I'm not also pregnant. I said, and I want to be worthy. And it's like, and she goes, that's what you're asking me you're juggling this. And you just said that you also have this beautiful job that this work that you do. And I'm like, yeah, and I do it all. And I don't have any, and I do, it's like a nap time yeah. empire. Yeah, and, yeah, right? yeah. That's like a Nikki Ellis Brown comment. She's she yeah. said that, but like, I was crying and I look back at that girl and I'm like, oh my goodness. Like, I can't believe the amount that we feel is required in order for us to just, not all of us feel this way, but I felt like in order for me to earn my seat at the table, it's like, yeah, I'm going to be a mom. And also I'm pregnant with the next thing and I'm helping and I'm this, and it's just Mm -hmm. unbelievable. And then I started a podcast 10 days later when my little one was 10 days old. And I did it because I said to my husband, I am at this place where my sense of self is like, it's teetering on like something is very like there's Mm -hmm. like danger, you know, there's a warning. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, I need to do actually something fully that I really want to do. And he said, you know what? I'll wake up with the baby. You do a podcast. And still I didn't have help, but I would record. At least I wasn't tired. And when she would nap during the day, I had already slept and I didn't, I bottle fed her. Oh my God. For the first baby. And Kendra, she's five. This show has almost 30 million downloads and I've gotten to touch so many lives and I've just, I've come to a place where I'm like, oh, I'm so grateful that when my kids are in school now, right, they're all in the, yeah. from nine to three, like mommy's like so excited. And then when I go pick them up in carpool line, they're like, mommy, how did it go? And who did you meet? And I'm like, this, yeah. this, is, this is what's at stake. It's unbelievable. Yeah. Yeah. And, and my hope is that, you know, I think we, we recognize what is at stake on some level. Um, but there's the tendency to think then that there isn't really anything we can do about it. And my hope is that no, the thing that can be done is 
what stories are we telling ourselves? So in those moments, like that's a not enough thing. Like I'm not enough. I'm not enough. I'm not enough. It's not enough to just have children outside of your body. You, (laughs) you need to have one growing inside you to be enough. Like that is, that serves no one. Um, well, I mean, maybe there's a person that really like the thing they want to contribute to the world is more humans. And right. But what serves no yes, one is the I'm not enough feeling. That's what is, you meant. Yeah, exactly. Like, <laughs> like I am not, an, which, you know, the ones with the seven children, like, bravo. I love that you're like, no, but you're saying the I am not enough is, is not serving anyone. If you want to have kids or pain or water ski, great. We're just saying, don't walk around feeling like I'm not enough. What yeah, is- exactly. And then, so what do you, what do we do about that? We catch ourselves in that not enough statement. Like that is, it, and so what a beautiful thing that you happen to say yes to the postpartum therapist, which by the way, my youngest is nine years old. I was like, I did not get that service. So that must be a nice. recent development, um, which thank God, but thank goodness you had that conversation and the, that person could say, that story is crazy. Like that's not, you're crazy, but this is no. And so then in those moments to say, okay, what I need to work on are the stories of being enough. When have I been enough my entire life? Right? Like what are the instances that didn't require me growing a human to be right. enough as how I showed up and like to have those to reprogram this limiting belief then that we have about ourselves. Let me ask you this. This is interesting. I mean, cause there's just so many things the inner critic says that we could literally sit here for a hundred hours and it would actually be every hour would be fulfilling to talk about it. Yeah. Um, but one of the biggest ways the inner critic shows up that I've been hearing just a lot lately, more and more, is this idea of like, when I show up on social media, I compare myself and then I feel like I get into this like, you know, just wacky, dark web of my self-loathing, right? That whole thing. So do I need to go off it completely? Can I still build a business? Like, it's amazing how the ego, if you're not careful, it doesn't matter. It could be social media. It could be the mom's group after school. It could be anything. You could wind up in that same place of like, oh, I'm bouncing up against my ego and all of this fear and noise. But how do you, because you're somebody who you have this now, this awareness at least, right? Mm-hmm. So in terms of that and building your business and, and looking at other women online and, and where you're at and where they are, how do you just do you and not yeah. allow all that to be what it can be? Yeah. And, and it is a, it is, it, here's the thing. It requires constant effort. <laughs> like this is until it doesn't, until it comes more naturally. Right. And then sometimes, you know, maybe you've got this comparison thing under control, but maybe a few things go wrong with your business or whatever it is that you're comparing yourself. And so you, you start to get insecure and then it feeds that, that negative comparison spiral. So on a higher level, I think that that is when we are in touch with our own stories of success and our own path forward. It's a way to build our like mental immune system to these other 
threats that we see floating around. And so, you know, you know, there are a lot of powerful women doing powerful things and it is not hard. You don't have to, you don't have to move a finger, even an inch to see another one. Right. And there have been times, even in the recent past where that inner critic, that comparison inner critic came up and was really giving me a hard time. So in those moments, I rely. So again, it goes back to the stories we tell ourselves and being very intentional about not letting the subconscious run away with what they have that you don't or how you, you know, like, but being very conscious about, okay, we are two separate people on two separate paths. What are my stories of when I did things my way, who I am and what I am here to do? And I saw success. So, so like I can go back to high school speech meets. I can go back to the time I entered the talent show in college and everybody else, it was like a very musical college. So everybody else was either singing or in a band singing. And my talent was telling stories and like how embarrassing it was to do. I remember I like auditioned and I thought they wouldn't let me in. And then they did. And then the fear of being like, oh my gosh, I have to tell a story in front of all my college friends like this. What have I gotten myself into? And it was such a pivotal turning point for me. It was such an important memory. And it's one that I rely on anytime. I'm like, I'm not going fast enough. I'm not doing this. It goes back to the enough. I'm like, wait, no, the best thing I can do is be me, do me. And I have 20 stories in big and small, where being me was the best thing I could do. And and let me tell you, telling yourself those, so choosing them, that's why the book is called, like choose your story, choosing those stories, then if the world doesn't affect you in the same, now I'm not saying it never does, right? But when, if it does, you then know what to do. And so you, you get this disassociation with it. And one other hack actually that I use for just social media in general is they always say that it is the highlight reel, right? So if you're, you know, if people are active on Instagram and by the way, I feel like Instagram has lost their minds recently. So let's just put a pin in that. Um, but it's the highlight reel. So we know that, right? We know that we scroll other people's and we're just seeing their best stories. So do you know what I do? I go back on days that I'm feeling like a little blue and I look at my own Instagram and I read my own stories of my highlights because they're all documented right there. And right there, I'm reminded of this little success and this poignant moment and this reason for why I do what I do. So use that as fuel for yourself versus other people's highlight reels. It's so good. And I love how you just keep coming back to like, you get to choose like which story. And, you know, I love that example of how you're like, I guess I'm just going to tell a story because you're just in your own lane and that's really cool. And one of the things for listeners who don't know a little bit about your journey, but you've worked at Success Magazine and you've just, you've been around so much of this and investigating it and being a part of this world of success and entrepreneurship and business and all of that. And one of the, the stories that I see come up for people a lot is this like imposter syndrome and like, I'm not enough. And here's how it's like, it's not only the, I'm not enough. It's almost like I'm a fraud because there's experts and starting a business or being successful. And one of the stories that I see of successful people, since I've been interviewing almost 600 people is just the claiming it, right? Mm -hmm. Just the claiming of whatever it is. 
And I'm curious in all the people you've met and in the work you've done, what do you feel has allowed people to be one or the other, to decide to like claim it? Yeah. And literally like, that's the difference between Will Smith and Joe Schmo. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's it. That's exactly it. So I think that anyone who, anyone who's suffering from imposter syndrome by default is a successful person because you only feel like an imposter when you're put in particular situations of elevation that the only way you would get Uh. there is if you were actually successful, right? And so it's successful people being in successful situations and thinking that they don't belong there, right? That they aren't justified. So by default, if you're struggling with true imposter syndrome, you are a successful person because you have to be successful in order to feel like an imposter. That's like the whole basis of what this is. And so in the interviews that I've done, the most successful people who aren't carrying around the weight of imposter syndrome are doing exactly what you said, have owned the success that they've earned. And I think what happens for success, so the successful people who are still struggling with it and the successful people who aren't any longer struggling with imposter syndrome, the difference is all successful people are focused on the next thing. We're all focused on what else can we do? How else can we help? How can we make this? You're you're filled with new ideas. You're right. Like this is what we, how can I grow? How can I change? Like this is just part of the success DNA. And in that process, when you're always thinking about the next thing, by default, we don't really pay attention to what we've already done, big or small, right? Unless it was a mistake, an error, and then we hyper-focus on that to learn our lesson and make sure that we can't consider it a failure because we've learned our lesson. But remember, our brain still hangs on to that negative experience and plays it back for us like, okay. So it sounds like a poster or like an Instagram quote that you could put out there, you need to celebrate your wins, right? Celebrate your wins, self-care in big ways or small ways, whatever it is. And that's true. And you should do that. But let's go back to what you said is what is at stake is if we don't celebrate our wins, we don't fully metabolize the story of that win. We don't feel it, which emotion is so important for stories. We don't see the details of it. We, we just take it and brush it under the rug. Like it's like, it's something we got to hide before our parents come in and ask us if our room is clean. So yeah, no wonder you feel like an imposter because you've been throwing away all of the great stories that prove that you aren't. That's on you. Okay. So if this is something you've been struggling with, and again, the successful people who aren't struggling with imposter syndrome have figured this out and they recognize that celebrating your wins isn't just self-care. It isn't arrogance. It is necessary as ammunition, as evidence of stories of where they've been so they can keep moving forward. So that's what I would say. If that's something you're struggling with, it is your job right now, as uncomfortable as it may be, because maybe you were told not to boast. Maybe you were told don't focus, which we're all done in good headlines, right? Don't focus on today's headlines. They'll be in the trash tomorrow. What are you doing next? These are all great things to keep moving for people forward, except that they create this distorted view of the credibility of where we are today. So go back today, take some time and think about your successes, big and small. It doesn't matter. The ones that you're most proud of, the ones that are like, oh, go back to high school, go back to graduate school, go back to, you know, when you got your first job, maybe you never went to school. 
and celebrate and remember those stories in full detail. That'll help with your imposter syndrome. I love it so much. And I love that you gave that little assignment at the end. So I just want to boost it again. And for anyone who's listening, take a second and either you know, do this when you finish listening or pause right now and just write down three things, three things that you can pull over to the side of your life and say, forget what other people will think or see about this. I personally am so proud that I like texted that person how I really felt or that I was able to post that thing or I was able to take some time off or whatever you want to be proud of. Celebrate it. You're right. We skip that a lot. This conversation is so fun. Before we keep going, I just want to thank our sponsors. The Kathy Heller Show is supported by GoodRx. With GoodRx, you can instantly compare prices for your prescription at all the pharmacies in your neighborhood and save up to 80%. Prescription prices can vary between pharmacies by as much as $100. Many times, the price you find on GoodRx will beat your insurance or Medicare copay price. So even if you have insurance, you should check out GoodRx to see if you can get a lower price. GoodRx is free and easy to use, so no wonder it's the number one most downloaded medical app. I've had a sore throat, and it just refuses to go away. So I use GoodRx to find the best deal on some medicine that really could help. It was so easy to search on their site, and I was able to save 75% compared to regular retail prices. So I definitely recommend that you check out GoodRx because you can end up saving a lot. And again, it's completely free to use their site. For simple, smart savings in your prescriptions, go to goodrx.com slash dreamjob. That's goodrx.com slash dreamjob to start saving on your prescriptions. GoodRx is not insurance, but can be used instead of insurance. In 2021, GoodRx users saved an average of 79% on retail prescription prices. People think unusual circumstances mean complicated taxes, but for TurboTax Live experts, that's what makes things interesting because an interesting life can mean even greater refund. Luckily, TurboTax Live can match you with the right expert who has experience in your unique situation and can answer all your tax questions right from your phone or computer. Plus, they can even take care of the whole filing process for you. So whether you launch your own startup or you're working multiple jobs, you have different side hustles, and maybe you're juggling multiple incomes, an experienced TurboTax Live expert can help you during the entire filing process or do your taxes for you from start to finish to get you to the tax deductions that you deserve. Visit TurboTax.com to learn more. You do your thing, they've got your taxes. Into it, TurboTax Live. Now, sort of changing course here, one of the things I want to make sure we talk about is another thing that you're such an expert in, which is, which is not only storytelling, what we tell ourselves, but storytelling in the world. Mm-hmm. And I want to talk about how storytelling for those listeners right now who are building brands and businesses. I want to talk about how storytelling is really vital for that and how we can figure out because people will be like, well, I don't have a story like yours. And I'm like, OMG, don't even say that to me. So how can we understand how storytelling affects our brand and what are some steps to, to do that so that we can actually invite people into a world of this beautiful story? So that was my first love, right? Like is is the stories that we tell outwardly. And the reason, the reason I even wrote my first book that talks about this, which is stories that stick is because I just kept seeing two things. Number one, um, that people had started talking about storytelling in business, whether it was corporate or whether it was entrepreneurs, this was starting to become a buzzword. However, Number two, people were missing it entirely. They weren't grasping what a story really 
is. Uh, I think they understood why it mattered. And, and in case you're not aware of why a story matters, especially as entrepreneurs, is stories are how humans connect. This is how we build bridges between people. This is how we build bridges between the product's features and what those features will actually mean in our lives. We follow people who, who are generous, if you're thinking about leadership, with the stories that they tell so that we feel like we know them. And so especially now as businesses become more and more and more personalized in that way, and even the big brands are built on a personal brand, right? An individual, what happens? So the opportunities are everywhere. And we forget that people want to do business with people, not with businesses, right? So, but the wow. problem that I, they, and how do you do a business with a person? If all you're putting out there is your brand or your logo. So this is the thing, brand is storytelling. Nobody, I mean, logos are nice and, and they become the visual shorthand for the brand, but a brand is made of stories. And especially if you're an entrepreneur and not like a huge, you know, multinational brand or whatever the case may be, your stories are what is going to connect people to you. Now, the problem I hear, and you mentioned it right there, Kathy, is, well, I don't have a story. And what you're really saying in this moment is my story isn't, again, enough. <laughs> my story isn't big enough. My story isn't dramatic enough. My story isn't tragic enough. My story isn't made for the big screen. Here's the thing. It doesn't have to be like, that's the disconnect when it comes to outward stories is we think that a story is something that should be in a big news article or on the silver screen when really it's the very small stories that people connect with. And so that's where I want to start is if you're someone who says, I know I need to be sharing my story, but I don't have any, it's because you're misunderstanding what makes a story. Not only that, but there is also this belief that there is one story um, and that you've got to figure out your story, like one singular story. But the reality is we all have a variety of points along our journey where we discovered that we were meant to do the thing that we're doing, when we found a passion for it, when it iterated or changed or became something different than it was right at the beginning. And so you are allowed to have many smaller stories. And what I see happen is people try to like cram it all together to create one big story, which waters it down and makes it dilutes it and makes it not as nearly as valuable as it could be. Clearly, I feel strongly about this. I don't even know if I answered your question, but. Oh my God, you so answered the question and I want to go further with it, but that is so important. Like everything you just said, and I was thinking about I was thinking about some serious things and also some silly things, but in terms of like things that happen in your life that like, remember that video that went viral about the girl who was trying to just um, return the candles to Bed Bath & Beyond? Oh yeah. And it was hysterical because we've all had these tiny little things where you're just like, can I just get 
the customer service. And it was, she was so sincere. And she was like, and I went back and then I went to this bath and it was bath and body works. I went to this bath and we were all laughing. Cause we we're like, I love this. This is like my life. I relate. Right. And it was, it wasn't like she won the Kentucky Derby or whatever. Exactly. Okay. So there was that. And I was also thinking about things that I've gone through that were hard things that I was like, oh, should I really tell this? People have been through worse. People have been, and it's like, it mattered to people. I got tons of letters just from telling that story. So that is so important that you just shared all of that. It's very clarifying. Now, when it comes to your last book, Stories That Stick, so I'm looking at these like four pieces, right? The, yeah. The value of the story, the founder story, the purpose story, the customer story. How do we do that in a way when you're like thinking about your brand, your social media, how you show up in the world? Mm -hmm. How do you do that in a way where it feels authentic, right? You don't feel like it's like fake and branded. And yet you, you touch on these notes because they are critical. Like it is important to then it's how you throw, throw a rope to someone and go, I get you because I have a story and so do you. So to not do that it's kind of also missing the point. Yeah, I feel like the the authenticity thing is really solved by the acknowledgement of the value of a small story. You know, like you said, like the Bath and Body Works candle girls, because like, I've been you, I understand you. And even if you, let's say you never bought a candle, like you're anti-candle or something, you can (laughs) still appreciate the nonsense of it all, right? Okay, so, so... There are those four stories that you just mentioned, the value story, the founder story, the purpose story, and the customer story was really kind of a, just a way that I, uh, something I wanted to offer to readers of a way to think about the different kinds of stories, because let's say you've decided I want to be better at storytelling in my business. And you're like, but where do I even start? The the problem, like that, that question alone can be a stopping point. Oh yeah. When it comes, yeah. So when it comes to like, where should I start? Usually there's one of two places that you need to start. If you are launching a new company, if you're trying to differentiate yourself, maybe it's a new concept altogether. Maybe you're pitching people or you're creating kind of like that keystone video that goes on your website that says who you are and why you're the person to start this company and people are buying you more than quite honestly, but at least as much as they're buying what it is that you have to offer. If that's where you're at with your business, then you're going to want to take that's that's a founder story. So that would be the place to start. Like, where did this start for you? And some of the some of the obvious ones are I mentioned in that book, the Airbnb guys. And so when they were pitching mm-hmm. to get money, right, from investors, they told the story of how they came up with the idea. And it was it was an authentic story. It was a true story. It was a, and that's what I'm saying. This is all about true stories, okay? But they told something as simple as how they came up with the idea. They told it in its fullness, the and in 
and we can talk about this too, like what are the four components that make a great story? Uh, but they included all of those and that is what stuck, got them their investment. That's what got it going. So that's a founder story, which may be the place you need to start. The other really important story for entrepreneurs is the value story, which is telling the stories of the value that your products, your services, who you are, what that brings to the world. And so when you've seen what you do in action or when you saw someone do something that wasn't using your method or whatever, and it didn't turn out the right way, that story can illustrate the value of what you have to offer. Again, so we're bridging the gap between what you know you can provide for people and what the marketplace understands that to be. I love it. If anyone is listening, just go back and take notes because this is so <laughs> valuable and everyone's going to need to get both of these books if they don't already have them. And we'll put links to everything. But what about pictures? Like so often, right? They say a picture tells a thousand words. And we live in a time where people have no attention span. So if you want to tell it in pictures or you want to do it with a reel, what are some of the things that you just maybe lean in towards? Yeah, I think that, you know, and we're, we're seeing this, right? Even in the way that the algorithms are changing. But the thing to remember is, again, it goes back to biology. So while we are concerned about people's shrinking attention spans, there's a study in stories that stick where uh, neurologists wanted to measure a change in brain chemistry after somebody heard or watched a story and the chemicals that were raised as a result of hearing this story were cortisol and oxytocin. Cortisol is increases focus and attention and oxytocin is of course known as the trust hormone. So biologically speaking, when you are telling a story, it no longer is about getting someone's attention. They won't be able to resist giving it to you because our bodies are programmed that way. So, so that isn't the fear. mind blown. Never heard that. That's amazing. It makes sense. I've lived that experience and never really put that together. It is the ultimate. I don't know why I've always just kind of been like weary of the word hack, but, but it is the ultimate brain hack. Okay. Like that is now the key here is then you do have a very short period of time to let your audience know, to signal to their brains that they're going to hear a story, okay? Or that they're going to read a story. And so the trick then is to whether it's in your catch. So, so the best marrying, if we're talking about you, it started with, you know, a picture is worth a thousand words. No, I mean, it, it, what that's saying is pictures can be extremely compelling. Pictures evoke a lot of emotion. But if you take a really compelling photo and pair it with a compelling story, that's where the magic really is. Mm -hmm. But again, the secret here is, and I can't actually say that I've mastered it necessarily, especially in reels. I know it. I haven't fully committed to the whole reels endeavor. Again, I know that's my deal. But if you have a caption to a photo that 
the first line that they see, you know, the, like the first five words before it scrolls um, indicates that there is going to be a story told there. People will stay on the photo longer. Now, I don't have the research to prove this except for my own captions. Like I can see those that I tell the story. And if I do a really good job in those first five words of saying, hey, there's going to be a story here. I've also seen this in stories on Instagram stories. If you had this happen where like you won't get that many views, you won't get that many views on Instagram stories, but then you're like, you're having a day, right? And the day is, and you're like, and people start to realize that you're going to be telling the story of this day. And that is when they keep coming back because again, they can't help themselves. I know. Um, I'm the next. Yeah. Yes, exactly. And maybe, and maybe I shouldn't talk about this or not, but right around the holidays, my whole family went down with COVID fine. We were fine. Grateful for that. And I decided to be open about it on Instagram. That's fine. I didn't, you know, it is what it is. More views than the past, like, Two years because people wanted to hear that story. Now, there's also, I mean, there's a little more drama involved in that too, but they wanted to hear that story. Anytime I, uh, you go on vacation, it's not just because people want to see your vacation photos. Sometimes that makes it worse, right? To watch you on vacation. But when you're on vacation, you're usually showing the story of this, whereas if Experience. you're just like, hey, yeah. guys, I just had such a busy day. I did this, this and this. They're not tuning in for that. It's the story. So good. We also had COVID right around the holidays too. the whole fam group effort. Yeah, it was a group effort. Um, so let's just as we're sort of like signing off, we have a few more minutes. I want to circle back to the, the most recent brand new book that came out because this is so important. Now we've talked about stories and think about what I'm talking to the listeners now. Think about what Kendra just said about how if you're telling a story, you get hooked. So imagine when you tell yourself a story, how you get hooked, right? And then imagine that your brain is telling you that story on repeat 70,000 times a day. So Kendra, the, the question I wanted to ask you is for people who are listening and they're like, okay, I get it. This has to change then because it's too, I can't be hooked into this story I don't want to choose over and over but let's say they leave this podcast and then three days from now, they're right back in it. I guess my question to you is in the book, how do you really help us to pivot our thinking? Yeah. Period. So it doesn't just do that for five minutes and then we just go right back. How do we sustain that? Yep. So in the book, I lay out a four part methodology that we worked through a group of you know research participants. This is like the pathway to take to making a permanent change. Now, sometimes again, permanent change, it's permanent kind of with asterisks around or quotations around it because different things come up. We have to rework our stories. That's life. But here are the four steps. I'll, I'll give you a head start. And it's actually the last one that is the answer to your question. So the first step is catching these subconscious stories in the act, becoming aware of them, seeing them for what they are. Uh, I was in a spin class last week. Spin class, I usually feel really strong. It's one of my good story places, but I'd been traveling because I was back keynote speaking, which was exciting. Body's not used to traveling. I was in heels. Body's not used to being in oh, heels. Right. And so I got to spin class and I felt like first I thought there was something wrong with the bike. And then it became very clear that something was quote unquote wrong with me. Now, 
wasn't wrong with me. So I caught myself in that moment that my brain was going to go one of two direct. Well, no, there was really only one direction my brain yep. was going to go. And that is you didn't work out enough while you were gone. Look at how weak it is. No matter how blah, 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 blah. like I could see it going. And so I caught that right there. Right. I, I know what this is. And I said, all right, what other stories could I tell myself? So so catching it in the act. The second step is analyzing those stories, which is actually what I did right then. I was like, oh, where, where are these stories coming from? And I'm like, oh, I know it's because I didn't work out. And my brain is trying to tell me that it's all my fault. It's coming from other times where I've fallen off the exercise wagon because I got too busy with work and I didn't prioritize myself. I understand where that's coming from. It's important to understand what your stories are, where they're coming from. And most importantly, sure. are they serving you or not? The answer was no, this is not serving me. So the third step then is to choose. That's what we've been talking about most of this time is, is choosing better stories. But the fourth step, and this is where I say it's the answer to your question, is installing these chosen stories. Yes. And actively, with discipline, retelling yourself the stories that serve you. Now, this could be every morning. And, and in order to do that, it's really important that you capture them, that you maybe maybe you write them down and maybe you um, text them to yourselves. Maybe you have an email folder that says stories I choose. Whatever it is, maybe you read them in the morning. Um, maybe you read them to yourself before you go to bed so that they are vivid. And these stories should include the emotions that you felt, the moment where it happened, um, some of those specific details. You can install these stories, you know, as a way to start your day or in your most vulnerable moments, right? Like if you know that every time you walk into a meeting, you start going into this deep, mm -hmm. dark spiral, tell your chosen stories there. It is really that final act of changing the default that makes the difference. It's so good. What a perfect place to sort of sum up. You are awesome. I feel like this episode had so many nuggets that were both sort of like things that are so important for your mental health and for your well-being, but also you do such a good job of giving like really tangible, helpful things that we can really go and like intentionally do to increase like our impact in the world. So I'm, I'm loving your whole vibe and I'm so glad we met. So tell everybody where they can buy the book and where they can find you. Yes, you can get the book. I mean, what do you say? Wherever books are sold, but really Amazon, Barnes and Noble, bookshop.org is a website you can go to to Cute. support local bookstores. Nice. Um, so if you have a local bookstore, you can go there. Love My that. website is Kindra Hall, K-I-N-D-R-A-H-A-L-L.com. I'm on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn. I think I'm on YouTube. I, do, I am on YouTube. I got some videos on YouTube, so... That's where you can find me. Those are the best places. You are so adorable. And I always am impressed when somebody who's so pretty is so humble. I'm like, oh, your mom did a good job with you. Oh, thank you. That is such a nice thing to say on so it's many levels. It's cool. so true. It's so true. So I'm so glad that we met and um, stay in touch. I want to be friends with you. So stay yeah, I would like to be friends. Yeah, yeah, we are. Okay, good. Okay, we're friends. <laughs> Yay, it's official. <laughs> Have the best rest of your day. I'll be, uh, I'll say hi to you on, on DMs. Okay, do that. Thank you. Thanks, Kendra. All right, here are the takeaways. Number one, change has to start within you. Number two, you've been enough your entire life. Number three, the best thing you can do is do you and be you. Remind yourself of the stories when being you has been the best thing for you. Choose those stories. 
Number four, use your highlight reel as fuel. Celebrate your wins. Number five, people want to do business with people, not with businesses. Number six, you don't have just one story. We all have a variety of points along our journey where we discover what we're meant to be doing, find our passion, iterate, and change. You are allowed to have many stories. And number seven, catch your stories in the act. Analyze and understand where they're coming from and then retell yourself the stories that serve you. The final act of changing the default makes the difference. All right, now we're going to celebrate some wins from our alumni. So Laura said, season two of Joyfully Raising Grands is underway with our Grand Family Nation membership that launched on March 1st. Laura, that's so awesome. Congrats on making it to season two and for launching your membership. It sounds like so much fun, and I'm so excited to see what else you're going to be building from this. You can go check out Laura's show and give her some love. You can take a listen. Her podcast is called Joyfully Raising Grands. And the next win is from Jackie. Jackie said, getting so many amazing women to come on my show has been such a tremendous learning experience, but I think that it's the listeners comments that I love the most. One recently tweeted that my show is part of her podcast staples. Ah, Jackie, that's just the best thing to hear, right? It is so fulfilling when you get that feedback and it lets you know that your message is resonating and that your voice is needed. I know your community is only going to continue to grow. So keep us posted on all the love and the beautiful connections that are coming for you. Let's all give some support to Jackie. Her podcast is called These Mums Write. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for listening to the show. I know that life is super, super busy, and I really appreciate that you spend your time with us. If you want to hear some amazing conversations with Martha Beck, Andy Grammer, comedian Pete Holmes, there's so many great shows coming up. Please take the time to subscribe on Apple Podcasts or follow us on Spotify, wherever you're listening. And if you really want to help me with this show and you really want to do something that's going to be such a way to give back take the time to not just subscribe, but leave a review for the show and post about it. That's the first and second thing. Subscribe and leave a review and then post about the show on your Instagram and just say, hey, this is the show I'm listening to. And here's one thing that I feel like I'm getting from it. All of that costs you nothing to do, but it actually helps so much. So much that I should do a whole episode on how much that helps you when people talk about your show or leave a review or subscribe. It's amazing and it's free to do it. And just to say thank you for doing so, if you do subscribe and leave a review, you can send me a screenshot of your review to the Kathy Heller Instagram at kathy.heller, Kathy's with a C. And in exchange for that DM of your review, I will send you a code so that you can go to Starbucks and get any Starbucks drink you want. And if you tag me and you do a post about it, I'm going to be doing a little bundle and sending you a few of my favorite books from some of the great authors we've had on this show, plus the Starbucks coupon. Thank you guys for the support. Really? I mean, look what we built because of you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Also, speaking of support, my husband did a show last night and it was so cool. About 80 people came and it was awesome. And I did a little reel on my Instagram where you can see just a little clip of his stand-up comedy. I'm so proud of him. It's been 20 years since he's been wanting to quit his day job and do this thing and he's doing it. And it's just so gratifying to see him in this place of expansion. If you want to check it out, you can go to my Instagram and you can see the reel. And let me know if you actually laugh. I think he's pretty funny. Also, if you ever want to watch any of these conversations on video, every single time we record a podcast, we actually do it on video as well. And we put all of those up on YouTube at youtube.com slash Kathy Heller. If you want to come hang out with me in May, we've got six spots left at the retreat. You can go to kathyheller.com slash retreat and find out more about that. I love you so, so much. I'm going to leave you with a song of mine and I'll talk to you Monday. I could use a fresh coat of Wake up in the